so good to see everybody this morning. We are honored to be here in the house of the Lord. Uh, it's a privilege to serve God, and it's, a, it's an honor to serve the Lord, and, and it's a privilege to know you and serve you and be in this house this morning. So we want to say from the bottom of our hearts, uh, greetings from Jerseyville, and uh, I consider myself to be part of both camp campuses, not just Jerseyville, but I'm part of the Waterloo campus too, and uh, so it's good to be home uh, this morning, and just so good to see each one of you. Bring greetings from my wife this morning that wasn't able to be with me, but good friend Jerry Lane from Jerseyville was with me this morning, so I wouldn't have to do the trip lonesome and by myself. And uh, I've just appreciated the worship this morning, and I'd just like to say that it's really, really important uh, for you to uh, sign up for small groups, for the life groups. Um, we have seen more fruit come out of small home meetings and group meetings over the years. Uh, it just gives the people a chance to be the church, uh, specifically in, in a small group. You just get to trust people, know people better, and they know your needs, you know theirs, and pray more specifically. There's just so many benefits about small groups. And uh, I am, uh, me and Linda Miner, starting one next week, uh, right after church on Sunday next week. And I'm looking forward to it. And we are doing uh, Robert Morris's Frequency. Uh, I really like I Am a Sheep. How many of you know you're a sheep this morning? How many of you know really God, God loves you? And God loves you and uh, all of your inabilities and all your uh, quirks uh, and all your specialness, God loves you and he knows you better than anybody and uh, he, th he thinks it's pretty cool to put up with you, <laughs> amen, as his son or daughter. Uh, beloved, now are we the sons and daughters of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons and daughters of God. And what a, what a privilege that is to be in. Uh, the, the, the whole book, the new book Robert Marsh just put out on Frequency is about hearing the voice of God. And um, sometimes I get frustrated at myself that I'm not hearing as much as I should and as often as I should. But I've learned that when it's necessary for God to speak to us, he always does. And sometimes it's so gentle and so soft and sometimes it can come in so many different forms and different ways. Sometimes we don't even recognize it or if we're not careful, we will miss it. So uh, train yourself to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and the Word and the voice of God because we don't want to miss anything He has to say to us. Amen. Um, we can miss what everybody else says, but we don't want to miss what the Lord, amen, speaks to our hearts. So we're here today before you, uh, feeling inadequate, um, but strengthened by the Lord, and uh, we know if he don't anoint us to speak today, you won't hear much, so we're just asking him uh, to anoint our words and to anoint your ears and your hearts to hear what the Spirit would say to us this morning. 
I take church very serious. I've been dedicated and committed to it for 55 years. And uh, if I had it to do over, I received Jesus when I was 18. And if I had it to do over, I'd do it when I was about one. <laughs> Amen. But uh, what, a, what a privilege we have uh, in, in our country, in our nation, in our families to live for God. I want to speak to you today um, about an unshakable faith or an unshakable life. God is interested when we come to him that we began to grow in relationship and fellowship with him and that we mature and become adult Christians. God don't want us staying babies, uh, but he wants us trusting him and leaning on him and allowing him to mold our lives and shape our lives into what he wants our lives to be. So he wants us to be unshakable. The scripture says everything that can be shaken will be shaken, but only that which uh, remains will finally, when the shaking is done, remain. And God wants you and I to remain. He wants us to stand fast, stand strong, stand tall, not waver in our commitment to him, our love for one another. And uh, he wants us to be unmovable, always abounding in his work. And one thing is sure about life, it's full of changes and surprises and uncertainties. How many of you are dealing with an uncertainty and a surprise in your life about right now? Anybody out there besides me? Uh, yeah. Um, things just seem to come up. And um, we must not ever think that we as Christians are going to skip through life with a song and not face any valleys, trials, and tests and problems in our life. A Christian not, life is not a life that's free of problems, but a Christian life is a life that's trusting God and have faith in God that no matter what situation we find ourselves in, we've learned through growing in Him and His Word that we can rise above every circumstance, every test, Every situation we face, we can rise above it like with wings as eagles in God, and we can soar over those things. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, really the purpose of tests and why trials come to our lives. And I want to share a little bit about my personal experience um, in the past 55 years as being a Christian. Uh, about 50 years of that has been in the ministry all of it's been serving God and serving people. But God has been so precious to me, and I could share with you today so many wonderful things that we have saw God do over the years. Miracles and of, of healing and testimonies and things that um, would just rejoice your heart. But I'm going to share on the other side of that coin today. How many of you know that about 50% of what happens in our lives is good, and about 50% is not so good. And a lot of the things that happen in our lives, they happen because of sometimes decisions we make, sometimes and a lot of times decisions other people make, and sometimes 
things that Satan wants to propagate against you and conspire against you to stop you from what you are doing. Listen, you're messing with his kingdom. Every prayer you pray, every scripture you learn, everybody you witness to, Everyone you love, you are pulling down his kingdom and kicking him in the teeth, and he don't like it. So sometimes he's going to fabricate things against you, and a lot of times they come through people. He's going to fabricate against you, and then sometimes God will allow you to be tested and tried in an area that you can grow. And that's really what I want to talk to you about today. You know, these things just come our way. Hurts from other people, uh, misunderstandings, accidents, uh, death. I lost a very, very dear brother-in-law yesterday morning at 6 o'clock. Very, very close to me, very good friend. Uh, I watched him all through his life. Him and I were pretty close to age. He taught me how to drive. And uh, the first time I really witnessed to him, Talk to him about Jesus. Uh, This is what he told me. He said, people like you need Jesus. I don't need Jesus. I don't need a crutch to lean on. Wasn't very many years I got to lead him to Christ. And he became a very strong Christian, a man that loved God and changed more than a lot of people. He was the kind of a guy that would never hug you. But the last 20 or 30 years of his life, he hugged everybody. And... uh, just was such a giving person and a, a good Christian man, lived with a lot of trouble and turmoil in his life, but uh, got to go home to be with Jesus yesterday morning, so we'll be doing his service sometime this week. But you never know when things are going to come. You just never know. But through the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God and through your relationship with God, I can tell you you're ready for anything that comes up. Sometimes we may not feel that way, Sometimes we may not be thinking quite that way, but you know, when we just stop and trust the Lord and and take that minute to communicate with the Lord, I'm telling you, things will begin to smooth out and things will begin to work for you. So I just really want to encourage you today, and I want to reflect on David's life for just a minute about what we're talking to you about this morning. How many of you know that God and David had a very close, intimate relationship in the Bible? Uh, God loved David and David loved God. And God said about David, you're a man after my own heart. But David gives us a perfect example, I believe, of life in, in its human form, how he was at one minute in God's pocket and the next minute, God, where are you at? And I love the psalm so much in the writings of David because David is just talking to us about his relationship with God all the time, his ups and his downs, his ins and his outs, and he's constantly just talking to God as a friend. And um, David's life, you see that he was beloved of God. He was the king of Israel. Uh, His army and the nation loved him. He was an exalted king. He united the kingdom, and he won many battles. He was a great lover of uh, his wife and uh, his family, and he was a great man of God. He had a tender heart, and he knew how to repent. David did. 
And he taught us that in the scripture. But on the other hand, David's life was filled with things like murder, rape, his daughter, uh, disloyalty, conspiracy. At one time when he was running from Saul, he found himself in the city of Gath and the only way he knew to escape was fall down on the ground and begin to wallow in the animal excrement and act like a, a crazy man. That's the truth. It's in the Bible. And you know, he wrote Psalms 56 during that time where he said, Thou art the glory and the lifter of my head, and thy vows are upon me, O God. And I know no matter where I'm at, you're going to bring me out of this mess. And God delivered him. It's like he did so many times with David. But we have this with David. He's a great man. He's experienced many things. But he's the writer of the Psalms. And thank God for psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And I, I don't know if we have it, but I want to, I, your screens are not working, so you're not going to see anything, but just hear what I say this morning. So uh, I want to read to you Psalms 27, and when I do, uh, I want you just to think about yourself, and I want you to personalize it in the trials and the situations you've been through, the ones God's delivered you from, the one you're in this morning and how you believe God is going to, through your declarations of faith, your love for him and your turning to him, how God's going to set you free. And how God's going to put you over and cause you to be a winner over this situation, over this circumstance. And I'm telling you, there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. And man is subject to a lot of temptations from a lot of different sources in a lot of different ways. But David teaches us in this psalm, as well as in a lot of psalms, of what he's doing when he's facing enemies, tests, trials, situations, that he's not sure exactly what he's going to do about them. But we see in this text what he has to say. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, you ever feel like that? Uh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in a time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion." I like it. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, he shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. Allow God to hide you in his love, in his arms, in his comfort, in his word. Allow him to take that burden, to take that problem, to take that test, to take that temptation. And this is what David is telling us in this psalm. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies around me. Wherefore, I will offer sacrifices of praise. I will sing. I will sing praise to the Lord. 
Oh, Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God, my salvation. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. I like that one. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of the adversary, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. And I love these last two verses. I would have lost heart, so wouldn't you and I, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Take it personally. Take the Psalms personally. Say your prayers. Say your thoughts. You're not going to embarrass God. God knows what you're going through. He knows where you're at, and he wants to hear your voice. And above all, he wants you to, you to know that you trust him. And as you bear your heart, you will find the help you need, even as David did in his life. How many of you know we recently had a, a horrible earthquake um, in Turkey uh, that killed thousands and just home many, many hundreds of thousands of people? Barb and I, in 1976, there was a large earthquake in Guatemala, and Barb and I that year was able to go to Guatemala and see the destruction and the damage that was caused after just like 20 or 30 seconds. And we saw the damage and we went and helped build feeding, a feeding center in 76. And then we went back in 78 and helped build an orphanage there. And earthquakes are one of the most horrible things anybody could ever experience. And within just a matter of shaking the ground and opening cracks and so on, for just a matter of a few minutes, they destroy so many lives. And in the Christian world, in our world, um, earth, uh, earthquakes come to us, and they come to shake our lives and to shake our faith, to shake our families, to shake our community, to shake our church, to shake what we believe in and what we're standing in. And they can do so much damage in our lives, but scientists for many years now have been seeking how to build structures that are strong and flexible and have the right kind of a foundation that can stand a lot of earthquakes and earthquakes up to a certain Richter scale. But in our lives, God wants us to build on the foundation that's sure and um, so that when the storms come, when the floods come, when the rains come, when the tests come, that we'll be able to stand against those things in our lives. And I want to encourage you today, during this shaking, we can stand. We all go through it. Nobody escapes. 
And I briefly share a little with you about my story and my testimony this morning. I was I accepted Christ at 18 years old. It's kind of a funny story. And um, I received Jesus at 18. And the reason I went to church and got saved was because my mom, I wasn't old enough to get married, and my dad had to sign for me to get married. So I had to, my mom told me, she said, if you'll go to church uh, until you get married, which was a couple months, she said, if you'll go to church during that time, your dad will sign for you to get married. So I said, why, sure. And me and my wife agreed at the time. She was a backslid Catholic, and I was a backslid Pentecostal boy. And uh, we decided, well, sure, we'll go to church and do our thing, and then we'll just go on and do whatever we want to do. And uh, we didn't realize they had church three times a week, four times a week for three hours of service and two weeks revival every night. Well, we both got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, and we've been in church ever since. So I got saved young, called into the ministry young, and uh, taught Sunday school in the back of a car. Barb learned how to play a, a piano playing on paper, uh, cardboard cutouts on uh, cardboard. She drew the keys out on the cardboard, and that's how she learned how to play the piano. She learned how to play the guitar on her own, and I played rhythm guitar. We led in worship for uh, five years and taught Sunday school and just had a lot of wonderful, wonderful things going on in our lives at that time. And another thing during those early years, everything that came into my hands, I don't know why, but the Lord told me, give it away. So we gave cars away, we gave guitars away, we gave tools away, we gave just a lot of things away during that time. And God put within me a trust in him and a confidence that he would supply our needs and meet our needs. And we saw many wonderful things through those years and uh, many, many tests and trials because I had no formal training. And I just, my pastor asked me one day after five years, how would you like to pastor this church? And I said, well, I'll definitely have to pray about that. <laughs> so we did, and we started uh, in the community building, and the church grew, and things happened, and we ended up moving to Jerseyville and saw so many wonderful things in our life. But through it all, we also had a lot of storms and a lot of tests. And I just share with a few of these with you this morning, not for you to pity me or feel sorry for me, because this is not where we're going this morning. We're going that through every one of them, God delivered us, God blessed us, God strengthened us, and we're here with faith and joy this morning. And I one time had a person accuse me of not caring because I took things so lightly. One of my dear sisters, uh, I had five of them, and uh, she told me, she said, you just don't care. You just go on about your business with joy and serving God. And I said, what else am I supposed to do? I mean, you know, yeah, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning, you know, and we go through these tests. Uh, when I was uh, 47 years old in perfect health, strong as an ox, my colon ruptured one night after I had worked at the brother-in-law that just passed yesterday morning, his house. I was putting siding on his house. He was also my neighbor. And uh, I got the bellyache that night and thought I just had stomach flu. And uh, it just got worse 
in the night. I couldn't stand up. I couldn't sit down. Uh, I was very, very lightheaded and sickest I had ever been in my life. My son lived next door, and he come over and helped me. Finally, I told him, I got to go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital. It took them five hours to figure out what was wrong with me. And uh, then they decided one day after they had figured out what was wrong with me, I wanted to go to St. Louis, but they couldn't transfer me to St. Louis. The doctor told them I would never live that long. So they had to do surgery there if I was going to live. Uh, the doctor literally took my intestines out and laid them on a table beside him, uh, worked on my colon, put a colostomy in, hosed them off with a garden hose. This is what he told me. And he said, you don't want to see the pictures. And I said, no, I don't. You're right. And he told me that he, at that time, he, he showed me his hands. And he said, see these little hands? He said, they're just made to go in there and fix your intestines. And uh, he said, I'll give you 20% chance to live. But he didn't realize the 100% God was on my side. So uh, God brought me out of that. Uh, but after that, I was back in the hospital because I started developing and growing adhesions in my stomach. And I have been in the hospital two more times. That was 97 when my colon ruptured. 2000, I went back in the hospital with adhesions. They did surgery again, and they told my family I was a mess on the inside. And 2003, July 4th, they rushed me to the hospital again. They almost overdid me, OD'd me uh, on strong uh, medicine, on painkiller. And I got to the hospital. The doctor made a small incision, uh, went in and told my wife and my family, if you got a preacher, call the preacher. And they said, well, he is the preacher. <laughs> if you call the pastor, and they did call Pastor, Mag or pastor Battles in at that time. And uh, the doctor told my family I had four hours to live. And he sewed me up. He clipped a couple uh, adhesions that he could see and said that I wouldn't live. I wouldn't leave the hospital. The Lord had different plans. And I walked the halls of St. Anthony's Hospital and prayed. And I said, God, you gave Hezekiah 15 more years. I would really appreciate it greatly if uh, there's some things I want to see done. How many of you know we don't really ever get ready to die? I mean, we do, but we really, really don't. I mean, you know, when it comes right down to it. When they walked in that room this week and told my brother-in-law, there's nothing else we can do for you. We've done all we can do, and you're not going to leave this hospital alive. That's a tough pill to swallow. But you know what? He did. And I believe because he knew Jesus. Of course, really, when you get to that point, you don't have a choice. But God gave me a choice. And I tell you, God, heal me, raise me up. I've been back in the hospital seven or eight times with a small bowel blockage since then. Uh, the last time I was in was October and November at the end of both months, about 30 days apart. But you know what? I'm here today and I feel great. Amen. I don't have any stomach pain. Amen. And uh, I'm feeling pretty good. So I'm just telling you, uh, I've had 11 major surgeries, back surgery, uh, prostate cancer, 44 radiation treatments, and I can go on and on, but... I don't want to do that. I want to slip to my wife now. My wife, since 17, uh, was diagnosed with Parkinson's. Now, folks, I want to tell you, we've lived for God our whole lives. 
We've never run away from God. We've never not trusted God. We've never doubted God. We've never really questioned God. We knew that God would bring us through no matter what we faced, what we had to deal with, or what we was going through. We knew, David said this, he said, God, one thing I know, God is for me. And I'm telling you this morning, God is for you. He's on your side this morning. Don't ever question it. Don't ever doubt it. Don't ever let the enemy put that in your mind. God's for you. And, and my wife, she's had two brain stimulus surgeries in the last year and a half uh, to help the Parkinson's. Um, she's had three falls in the last few weeks. Two weeks ago Sunday morning, she was coming out the door to go to church, slipped on the step, we've got one step out our door, and I was behind her instead of in front of her. I've learned now to go in front of her instead of behind her. And she slipped and fell and bent her glasses, banged her head, tore a great big hunk of skin off of her arm here. Didn't even know it until she was in church and it bled through. But she went ahead and went to church that morning. And uh, she didn't feel like she could do the endurance test today. So I told her, I said, you stay home, honey, and just uh, keep the house warm so when I get in, it'll be snug and warm for us. And uh, Barb's got a good attitude. She loves Jesus. She's trusting the Lord. And uh, we've seen God work in her body and in her life. And right now, she's doing good. And we just praise the Lord for that. Uh, my three children, Joe, my son, passed away August 23rd of August 2020, Pastor Matt helped me with that service. Uh, my son uh, was a great kid, but he never did figure out life like I would have liked for him to. Never did. He had his master's degree in business administration. He worked for ch uh, Catholic Charities, uh, and they absolutely, the kids loved him. The staff that worked with him loved. He had a lot of charity, a lot of compassion, but when he was 34 years old, he had a major heart attack. They told him he couldn't work anymore. It's one of the most worst injustices you can ever do to a human being, especially a younger person. And uh, sent him to a psychiatrist. He got on mind-altering drugs. Lost, they told him he wouldn't live a year. And uh, got on mind-altering drugs and decided on top of it he was going to drink. And for 15 years... Uh, we basically went through a living hell. Uh, how many of you have ever dealt with an alcoholic? Could I see your hand, please? You know, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, did everything we could do. I had him locked up. I had him committed. I mean, we just we did. We ran the gauntlet of everything you could possibly do for a person. And uh, he loved God. He'd read his Bible and pray, and then get drunk. And uh, he'd read his Bible and pray, come to church. Um, he really, he knew God in a very close way. He spoke in tongues when he was about three or four years old. He was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And um, he passed away, and it was one of the hardest things that 15-year period. If I blocked my life off in blocks, it would be one of the hardest 15 years of my life. But I want to tell you, God was always there. He was there comforting, he was there encouraging, he was there strengthening, he was there holding my hand. Because I'm telling you, if it wouldn't have been for the Lord, 
I don't know what I would have done. But God saw me through those, all of those things. My uh, middle daughter was in Italy for 10 years, recently came home, and we just got the word. We thought they were going back to Germany for three years, but we just got the word last week they're not leaving. So they're staying here, which Daddy's very glad about. Amen? Because we're very close, and uh, she'll probably be helping. Probably both of my girls will be helping with the funeral this week. They're both excellent singers and uh, musicians. Mary's a good musician. And uh, she was in Italy, and by accident, she had a stomach x-ray. They were actually x-raying her female organs for some cysts she had. And they noticed that the pair of her pancreas, the tail of her pancreas, had a tumor in it. And in it, if, you know, if anybody knows anything about medical, and you got something wrong with your pancreas, pretty heavy stuff, pretty quick. So... Uh, they found it on accident, but they found it early enough in 2018. My wife and I went to Italy for 42 days and uh, to help her. I was down in the back 21 days out of the 42, couldn't move, and had three, went to three hospitals and had two ambulance rides. If you've never been in a hospital in a foreign country where they can't speak English, you need to try it sometime. No, I really wouldn't suggest that to anybody. But anyway, my daughter had surgery, and it was cancer in the tail of her pancreas. They was able to do the surgery, and uh, she just recently, after six years, five years, got a total clean bill of health, and she's doing great. My youngest daughter, Mary, was born with a left dislocated hip. She was 14 months old. She started limping. And we said, you know, what is going on with this child, you know? And, of course, we took her and x-rayed, and uh, her hip was way up out of socket. And we didn't know at the time that it was something that uh, it, it can't, comes more in girls and boys, and it does uh, come from, from birth and from transference from one to, to the other. Her daughter just recently uh, had both hip surgery on both of her hips at eight years old, but she's doing wonderful. Mary had to learn how to walk three times, uh, first without, with a dislocated hip, then with a brace that held her legs far apart, and she walked like a duck, like this, and uh, she learned how to walk like that, and then she had two body casts, and uh, I tell you all these things just to tell you, uh, when storms hit your life, when trials and tests and problems hit your life, know that they're inevitable one way, in one form or another of coming your way. Uh, and if they don't, praise God, <laughs> right? But the odds are you're going to face some trials, some tests, some situations that are certainly not pleasant. But I'm a witness today. God can give you joy. He can give you peace. He can give you strength, and he's more than willing and more than able in all of those situations you find yourself in to anoint you and to bless you with his Holy Spirit, with his truth, with his love. And you can walk out of some of those situations and those places with a peace in your heart, with a, a, a skip in your step, knowing that God is for you and God is on your side and there's nothing that you and God can't handle together. Amen? You can handle it. So I encourage you this morning, 
with those thoughts. Dig your foundation deep. Uh, you can't spend too much time in the Word. You're not going to go crazy if you read your Bible every day. You're not a spiritual nut if you, if you talk to God all the time. It's the normal way Christians live. So get, dig your foundation deep. Put it on the bedrock and you can face those storms and those tests. So I want to share with you this morning, uh, not on your outlines, but on mine, uh, what, what do tests and trials do in your life? The tests reveal what's important in your life. Uh, I've had a lot of people tell me on the other side of near-death experiences, and I can testify for this myself, it absolutely changes your priorities and what's important in your life. You, you look at life a little different. It's a little more precious. Uh, it's a little more fragile. And it's just a whole new relationship as you grow in the Lord and as you fellowship with God, and as you put trials and tests behind you, they refine your character and your life. Uh, Things become less important as you grow in the Lord. Uh, Like things drop off and only what's genuine and true remain in your life. The part that Christ really wants there in your life, he puts that trust in you, that, that, that new level of trust grows because you've shared something and went through something that you know God brought you through. These things have strengthened my faith, strengthened and developed my trust to grow more. And one thing through everything, you know, that we learn is not to question God and ask God why, because church, I'm going to tell you, sometimes in this life, and a lot of times, there is no answer. How many of you found that with a lot? I could ask you questions this morning, simple questions, but no answers to. Really and truly, there's a lot of things and so much in our lives that we want to know. All I can say is when we get there, we'll know. But if it's important that we know. But now we see through a glass darkly, but then we're going to see face to face. Amen. And we're going to know him face to face. James 1 says, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience or endurance. But let endurance and patience have its perfect work in you. Why? So you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, so that you may come to a place that you're ready for anything and you're maturing God and you can face anything that the enemy wants to throw your way. Listen, we need to fear God, not fear Satan. Satan's a big blowhard. He's a big liar. He cannot tell the truth. Everything he says is a lie. And we don't ever want to believe anything he propagates or says. And we don't have to fear him. We really don't have to worry about him as long as we stay in God's hip pocket and just walk close with the Lord. So be encouraged this morning. And number two, trials prove the genuineness of our faith. Is your faith real? Is your trust level strong? When you're through in the test and in the trial, it'll, it'll reveal it. The scripture says in 1 Peter It tells of a testing of genuine faith. And even though you greatly rejoice, so now for a little season or a little while, and I I laugh at this, 
God's got a good sense of humor. If need be, you have been in heaviness through manifold temptations, or you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, that you may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation or the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it just proves the genuineness in you uh, that really nothing else can as you lean on Jesus. Your faith is known to be true and genuine as it has been tested and proved in the fire of adversity. God is always unchangeable in his nature. We can always trust him completely and totally. And number three, strong, you have stronger faith uh, in the end, and number three, trials expose the content of your heart. My wife always said, if somebody's going through the fire, if somebody's going through the test, my wife always told me, she said, we'll see how strong of a believer they are on the other side of this battle, on the other side of this trial, on the other side of this test. Because I tell you right now, it's going to expose you uh, the contents of your heart and really what you're made of. The world says it'll show what you're made of. And we find out as we lean on God. Deuteronomy 6 or 8 and 2 says this. Moses tells Israel that God led them in through the wilderness to test them and know to know what was in their heart. And that also he said how much to test you in Deuteronomy 13.3, the Lord said that he would want, wanted to know how much you love him and what was in your heart. And in uh, Hezekiah, in the book of Chronicles, Hezekiah was a godly king of Israel, a great man of God, a great king. And um, concerning one matter, God spoke to Hezekiah, and the scripture says in uh, the scripture that God left him. And I looked at that. And the scripture says, you'll never leave me nor forsake me. But it really didn't mean God left him. It just simply means that God backed off from him a little bit, from speaking to him so much, and let him think about where he was. Because the scripture said God wanted to know what was in the man's heart. He wanted to really test him at that time and see what was in his heart. And David constantly made this statement throughout Psalms. As you read them, God tests the righteous. He wants to know what's in our hearts, so we can come forth like Job did uh, after he'd been through the test. His wife failed the test of what was in her heart wasn't exactly right. She told her husband, why don't you just curse God and die because of everything that had happened to Job. But Job said, is it right that we would receive good from the hand of God and not adversity and not trouble? In, the, in all of this, Job did not deny God. He did not back away from God. Yes, he suffered greatly with a lot of trials and troubles. But you know the end of the story. He ended up with double everything that he had. He ended up a very blessed person of God. Amen. A man of God. Uh, when he came through the storm. So won't you and I. I'm more blessed today than I've ever been in my life. I'm probably more at peace today than I've ever been in my life. I have more joy today than I probably ever had. I'm more content today than I've ever been. Amen? Is it because everything's fine? No. 
It's because I know an ever, an ever fine God, amen, that constantly whispers to me, hey, remember you belong to me and I love you and this is going to be all right too. And you know what? When I walk in the funeral home this week or the church to, to preach the word of God over my brother-in-law and to have that service, God has never failed to meet me, to give me the peace, to give me the contentment, to give me the joy and the rest that I need in him. And he will. He will comfort the family through his love and his Holy Spirit. So they come and they go. And number four, trials purify and sanctify your motivation. Sometimes our motives are not always just what they should be, especially when we're younger Christians. Uh, the Apostle John in the book of, of, book of Mark, uh, he came, him and his brother came to Jesus and said, Lord, when you are glorified, we want to sit on your right hand and on your left. He was a little bit biased about he was, what he was wanting and uh, motive not quite right. He was wanting some recognition. After all, he was one of Jesus' favorites, and he really was. John was. Uh, they had a, a pretty unique love relationship. But later on, as he wrote the Gospel of John, you see him uh, becoming and talking uh, in those three books about being a little child. And he had such a tender uh, heart toward love and toward God and toward other people. And ended up, Jesus ended up in that chapter of Mark, um, I believe it's Mark 10. He told him, uh, he that is greatest among you, he's the one that will be the servant. He's the one that will learn how to serve and to give. And it was, it was John that learned how to become that servant. Sometimes our motives need to be adjusted. And uh, trials and tests and trials can prove our motives and bring them forth as we allow God to bring the adjustments in our life that he wants to bring. And I encourage you this morning, always stay open to God when, at all times in your life when God is wanting to change something in you. Stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit, especially in the area of forgiveness, reconciling relationships, forgiving somebody for something they have done to you. Uh, in these areas, God wanting to expand you in an area of growth, understanding and wisdom. Allow God to do that in your life. Be sensitive to him. And John learned how to do that. And number five, trials call and to exercise the graces of the Holy Spirit in our life. We grow in the Holy Spirit. We read Paul's writings, and, and how many of you know that Paul's life wasn't just yippee, we're just going through faith, and he wrote 60% of the New Testament, was one of the greatest men of God that ever walked the face of the earth. And I was in Rome in Paul's church. And, and heard this story of how the priest at certain years brought his body back into the temple there and buried him. And I got to walk in some of the same places Paul did in, in Rome, which is pretty cool. I know, Katie, you guys have, have got to do that in Israel, which is an awesome, wonderful thing. But the Apostle Paul, if you really look at his life, you talk about not comfortable and a lot of problems, even though... The miracle working power of God worked in him and through him. And the revelation of God so great in him uh, that came forth. But his, his imprisonment, his stoning, they stoned him one time and left him for dead. 
God wasn't ready for him to come home. And the scripture says he come out from under them, that pile of rocks, and went on preaching the gospel like nothing happened. But he was beaten. He was shipwrecked. But through it all, this is what Paul wrote. He said, I've learned through all of these things, when I am the weakest, he is the strongest. And therefore, I glory. Now, church, I'm not quite that point. I'm telling you the truth. He said, therefore, I will glory in my infirmities, that the excellency may be of God and not of myself. That's what he wrote. So he understood a depth there. And uh, about tests and trials that God help us to comprehend and understand what he was seeing and what he believed and what he understood about that. But uh, he, was, he was an awesome man of God. And then trials cultivated a deeper understanding of God's ways and character in our life. We are taught, we are learned, we grow, we mature. It's painful. Iron sharpens iron and there's a lot of friction Sparks fly, you know, when that happens. And sometimes they fly in our relationships, especially in between husbands and wives who live with each other every day. And their kids that are just perfect little angels and never upset the atmosphere and never have a problem. Yeah, sparks fly upward and they they come forth. And it's the way it is. But through it all, Barb and I, after 54 years, it's one thing to say you tell somebody you love them. It's another thing to show them that for 54 years. And I can say, Barb and I have faithfully showed each other, told each other, modeled love to each other for 54 years. Pretty awesome thing. The only reason we could do that was because of Jesus. If we wouldn't have both been listening to him, we'd have been in big trouble. But because of listening to him, he saw us through many battles, many tests, many trials. But our love is stronger than it's ever been. Our tenderness and our care for one another is more than it's ever been. Three days ago, Barb had a panic attack. She had just had her final adjustment on her brain stimulus. And she had a panic attack, and the enemy was really hitting her hard. She said, honey, would you please come in and pray for me? I went and crawled in bed with her and put my arms around her and just hugged her to my breast and just let the love of Jesus and the word of Jesus pour from me to her and just comforted her with the comfort of God. And I'm so glad that God's love and God's spirit enables us to have that kind of relationships with people that we can, we can grow in our, 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 our spirit with them. And God can touch and heal and minister. And um, I was glad when she was through that. And we're just close. And she tells me, I feel like I'm holding you back. I feel like I'm, you know, just hindering what, you know, you could be doing right now. And I told her, I'm doing just exactly what God wants me to do and what I want to do. I would rather not be any other place than here with you right now. And we're going to whip this thing together. We're going to see this through together. And we're going to come out 
on the side of God and on the side of Jesus.